check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hello, and welcome to the Oddcast interview with Philadelphia-based painter Douglas Whitmer. To start things off, you'll hear day one from Whitmer's album, 40 For You, a collection of ambient music composed to go along with a series of his paintings. The project began just about one year ago, and the platform for its release was Instagram, where he put together a one-minute still pic of a painting with its own track from the album, this happened daily. The practice continued for 40 days, so we have 40 days and 40 paintings. Douglas and I talk at length about why he was compelled to make such an album, his hopes for it, and to highlight the one-year anniversary with a generous act. He will be donating all monies from digital sales from the album that's found on Bandcamp to groups helping to bring food to those in need. This is happening through the month of March. Now, where I don't ever try to sell anything, I can get behind this. The links to the Bandcamp page will be at otcast.com and also on Douglas's website should you like to download the music. It's at douglaswhitmer.com. And now, day one from 40 for You.
Isn't that great? <laughs> Thanks for listening. And I just wanted to encourage you to visit Douglas's website or artcast.com to view the work as we listen to the interview. We go deep into the music and also our thoughts and reactions to both the work and its printed reproductions. And one last thing, before we get to it, please listen out for two questions submitted by previous ArtCast guest, Kat Balco. Thanks, Kat. Awesome questions. And without further ado, words of the day, present, interval, rehearse, elemental, and duration. The interview starts off with Douglas and I talking about his current online show at Gallery Biesenbach in Cologne, Germany. Listen in. As of right now, you have a show up, correct, online? Yeah, it's my first time doing a virtual show. Um, it's it's with the gallery that I work with in, in Germany called Gallery Biesenbach. And um, he's beginning to do, uh, in addition to galleries in his or rather shows in his space he's doing online exhibitions as well and it's kind of a response to to the pandemic yeah um as as many galleries are doing but um so um and he's he's kind of using it as a way to um like highlight work that might not necessarily be shown by him otherwise so he's he's um he's sort of highlighting a lot of works on paper and um, things that kind of maybe are, are like, you know, when you, when he has a gallery show, he has the more quote unquote official work, the paintings or the sculptures yeah. or whatever. So he's using the online, um, exhibition, the virtual exhibition format to do these sort of more exhaustive shows of like works on paper or, or things that are like lesser known. Right. Now, uh, what you're showing with them now, is it, uh, mostly works on paper like you were mentioning or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's like about 35 works and and um, only maybe four or five of them are actually paintings that he has and then the rest are um, are works on paper that he's selected from the past couple of years. Cool. Mm-hmm. Some of them are brand new as well. Like uh, actually, almost half the show is is since 2021. So I took it as an opportunity to kind of you know take some time and really make some work on paper for him as well. So that's kind of exciting for me to have brand new work in it. Yeah. You've been really busy, I guess I could say as far as like the past year and from what I've known and seen with uh, the music and everything. Yes. I somehow find ways to keep myself busy and yeah. I didn't expect 21, uh, 2020 to be a busy year um, with exhibitions. I think, I think when the, it's funny today, what's today, March 3rd, um, March five of 2020, I was in New York seeing shows with friends. And that was like, when it kind of hit me, because people were, you know, the the pandemic was still like kind of in China at that point. Yeah, you know, it felt like and then um, I remember, I thought, Oh, maybe I should buy some hand sanitizer or something. I don't know why I was feeling peer pressure. And I went into the drugstore and like couldn't get it. It was there was completely sold out. Right. And um, and uh, I you know I went home and so that was that was the fifth. And then you know within a week my kid's school was canceled and for two weeks, <laughs> you know, and everything, everything just kind of that was it. So I met March five is a memorable of twenty twenty is a memorable date for me. It was like the last time I got out and saw art at all. 
Um, and um, so, yeah, I just assumed that, you know, everything was shut down. But it ended up, uh, you know, towards the end of the year, I was able to, to exhibit again. And there were some online things, which was nice. So things, things were busy. Plus, I was already at that point in March 5th of last year, I was already doing the, the 40 day uh, music and art uh, suite that I had, I had kind of planned to do in 2020. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that some more later. Uh, and you know, maybe to focus on the studio, uh, your studio life. Mm-hmm. So my first question is like, what were some of your first art experiences and when do you feel like you got serious about it? Well, you know, I, I kind of knew I wanted to be an artist or a musician really early on. Um, I, I can point to, or I can remember going to the Philadelphia museum of art, um, when I was 14, um, and seeing Franz Klein's, uh, it's, there's a painting there. It's called Torches Mauve. It's a, you know, it's a Franz Klein painting. And just at age 14, seeing that and just completely being blown away and just kind of knowing that that's what I also wanted to do. Yeah. You know? Um, but so that, so I was 14, I was probably like a freshman or sophomore in high school at that point. But I remember, you know, like in eighth grade, I had like been writing music and I debuted like a music piece at my school's arts festival. And I was, I, you know, that year I won a prize for my picture I drew of my violin, you know, so, oh, wow. you know, I was one of those kids that was always sort of like art and music inclined. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say feeds your work the most, whether it's in the early years or, or now or. That's a good question. What, what feeds it? I mean, I am just, I guess it's like a, you know, I'm trying to find a place in my work, you know, a certain kind of, kind of place of presence. And that's yeah. both presence spelled like P R E S E N C E and presence like in the middle or in the, in the present, in the middle of the present, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to find a, I'm trying to find presence in the present and, um, and I maybe, you know, I'm documenting that somehow. Um, and that's what I, that's kind of what I keep coming back to because it's because that, that moment is always, um, a little different. Um, and, um, you know, I'm doing it through, through color and, and surface mostly and, 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 activity, a kind of activity for myself, the painting activity, but that's, that's, I'm still compelled by it, by it. I'm, I'm always, I go back to it for that. Yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, saying pairing up the, the music with the paintings, it feels like a, like a generous thing to give the viewer and you're giving them something to listen at the same time, which could, could probably quiet i imagine uh the spirit a little bit when receiving your work and you know maybe take the viewer there too i mean not just you as a maker but after the work is done so to speak yeah um your word generosity is really i mean that that really makes me feel good that you you use that word and you pick up on that i mean i, I feel like i'm trying to give something to the world and put something in the world that's like a gift um and and, and establish something for people. You know, I, I feel like that's what my painting is. I'm, I'm doing it for myself, but I'm also doing it for others and, um, trying to, you know, create a moment. Um, the, this project that we've, you know, been talking about this 40 day painting and music project that I did in 2020, um, was really, 
it kind of was a response to Instagram in some ways. Yeah. Like, because that's the way so many of us are digesting art, you know, sort of throughout our day to day. And um, I just, you know, it's how I use it both to connect with my community of artists and friends and somewhat to promote my work and all, you know, there's so many layers to it, but I think, I think every artist has probably had that experience of if you scroll, 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 and you click like, you know, on the, on the ones that you like or whatever, but it goes by so fast and, yeah. and it's not the same as when you would be, you know, in, in front of it in real life, you know, or, or it's not the same as it was in the days before I had the opportunity to see art, you know, all this art from all these people from all around the world happening now, like, you know, it used to, everything used to just roll out so much more slowly. And so I just, it was late in 2019 and I, I just kind of had this idea, like, what if there was a way f I could get someone to stop in front of the image for, for a minute? Cause I had noticed that the videos that play in Instagram at that time were playing for a minute and then yeah. they would, they would automatically loop. They would start over at the, after the end of that minute, if it was in the feed, you know, there's all those different conditions that Instagram has, like, depending on where you put the video. But so I thought, well, what if I made something where, uh, you know, I made a minute of music that was, that was designed to loop after that minute. And, and then the video was essentially like a still video of a piece. And so a person could just, if they knew what they were getting or they, or whatever, they, they, they got to that, that thing in my scroll and they listened to it for a minute and then it just sort of seamlessly started over. Um, what if I provided like that kind of a place within Instagram or within social media, but primarily Instagram. So that's kind of how that, that started. And then I just, I chose it to be a 40, a 40 piece uh, format. Well, and the other thing about that project is that I, you know, that's the first time that I've ever put, you know, my music together with, with my, my painting, you know, yeah. in a really, um, in a really, uh, intentional way. Friends of mine who know that I'm a musician have always have asked me over the years, oh, why don't you do some sort of painting and art thing <laughs> or painting and music thing? <laughs> I've just always been like, what? No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't know. This was, this was one of those things where, where it, yeah, it was the first time I, I tried that. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's a nice venue for that sort of thing. Like where, like, I wonder how much, like, Inst you mentioned Instagram, you almost did it custom, so to speak, for that, and, like, how much they fed each other, you know, like, giving you this sort of dimensions, if you will, to to work, and then you had duration on top of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It was it was interesting because I, I also, well, I made the, I made the paintings, uh, I made the paintings in triplicate. So they're, they're, and I've done this in the past where I've made things, I've made a piece like more than once in a row, like at, sort of at the same time, like I kind of do the same action, you know, X number of times across X number of pieces. And so in, in, I end up with like an, like a addition, if you will, of like a, they're identical originals, you know, because yeah, yeah. um, I'm not a printmaker, but I, but I kind of, I've always sort of liked printmaking. So I thought, Oh, it'd be interesting to do like a, like an addition. So one thing that I could sort of like envision for that project, the, it's, and it's, it's called 40 for you. Um, 
that project is that maybe it could be it could it could travel with the audio and people could use it in that way. But I wanted to make sure there was at least one set that would always stay with me. So that's why I ended up making three. But what I'm getting at is um, doing it that way also made it so that I needed to, um, to some degree, rehearse uh, the way I was going to paint. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I kind of had to. I, I kind of had to. Yeah, I, I had to know more exactly what I was going to do because I needed to be able to do it three times, um, at least three times. Sometimes I did it more. Um, but yeah. So that was interesting because that corresponded to, to the music in some ways uh, and the way musicians work, um, kind of like arranging, planning, rehearsing, and then performing. Um, I've never really, you know, I've never really thought about painting as a performance. Performance to me seems very public. Uh, and painting has always been a very solitary activity. Yeah. So, so it was different in that regard. Well, I guess in, in a way, I was curious about like how recording the music went, and in a way that, like, what was a role you had to step into, or did you find it a smooth transition into making the music? Say from the painting, depending upon which came first, or were they simultaneous, or mm-hmm. um, what was it like uh, switching modes from the painting, uh, say one to the other? And I, I, it's coming from like my point of view because I don't like I, I write a little bit and like. I've always been asked like what my poetry has to do with the painting. And I always kind of feel like they're separate, but it seems like they're a little more attached in your project. Well, in, in this particular project, they became attached, you know, or let's put it this way. I attached them in this, you know, um, I, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm generally more the way you described, you know, between your paintings and your poetry, obviously they're connected through you. And there's probably some themes that come out of your, you're writing that you also explore in a visual way. Um, but um, so for this particular project, you know, the, the pandemic was un- unfolding <laughs> in the United yeah. States, just as this was, this project was unfolding too. So that played a role, totally unexpected role in things for me. So what ended up happening was I needed to, um, prepare the art I, I couldn't there were periods of time when I couldn't even go to my studio because of the way Philly was just I was trying to be a good person and not go out like when we were in the hard lockdown at the beginning or what felt like a very hard lockdown at the beginning so I was um, making the work ahead of time um, and trying to really you know I'd be at my studio making the paintings you know, several days out, um, sometimes more than a week out in advance. And then I'd have the images and then, um, but it was so much work, um, that, you know, sometimes the music was being worked on. The music was really being worked on daily. Um, and sometimes hours before I needed to post it. Um, I had made, I had made it so that I was, I had announced, but I also made it the rule for myself that, that the, that the music, that the piece would go up on Instagram. Um, I forget what time it was either eight or 9am just so that people who were really following the pro the, the program would know when they could expect that the piece to be out for that day. Yeah. Cause I, I found out there were people really following it like that. And so there were, I mean, there were some mornings when I didn't have the piece and I was up at four thirty or five. Um, 
you know, working, like making the music to go with the piece for that day. Um, because, as, you know, the other part of it was just, I had to, it, it, it's actually a video. So, you know, it, it had to be, it all had to be put together in, into a, to a one minute video as well. So that took video editing, basic video editing, but still, yeah. um, there were so many logistical details to that project that were, were way outside the scope of, you know, making a painting and playing my guitar, um, that I didn't think about going in. Um, so that was, that was really fascinating. Um, but to boil the answer to your question down um, a little bit more concisely, you know, most of the musical pieces in that project came as responses to the paintings that had been done. Yeah. So, so, you know, that's, that's, that's how that worked out. Um, it's hard to find the word sometimes for me, but I was curious also about editing and like how, like what kind of sheen or glaze, if you will, like a painting term, <laughs> um, did like how much of that effect, how did it affect the overall feel of the music? Like after, like after recording and like after in editing, did you try to sort of make your, the music sound like the paintings or, or like they look, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, what I, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, in some ways, you know, I'd be like, okay, this is a bright color. Maybe I'm going to go major key, you know? Yeah. There's that kind of thing. But a lot of times, um, it, the, and I think <laughs> part of what for me is most satisfying about this project is the music side of it. Um, cause I've, um, I've never worked on my music in that way where, like how I just described where I had such a daily deadline and it had yeah. to be something. Um, like, I mean, there was, and against the backdrop of the way the pandemic was unfolding and against the, what it was doing to my life at the time, which was really scrambling. I mean, it scrambled all of our just general life logistics. Right. So um, I had, I felt like I was clinging on to, this project a little bit was like a thing I needed to get out in the world every day. And yeah. so that deadline, I don't know. It was like, it was very much like an endurance event in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I listen back to the recordings and, and knowing some of what I did, I mean, there was, there's, there's some, there's, there's some vocals on there, just some oohs and ahs in the one track where I was literally on my couch, like, kind of falling asleep like trying to get those things i was just so exhausted and i'm trying to sing at the same time um but that stuff i never would you know that's not the way i approach music generally with with the music that i make you know for the people i'm involved like the collaborations i do which call it my bands or whatever um i'm usually I'm usually much more about trying to rehearse and to make something really good and well performed and blah blah but like this project, I was just, I was knocking something out like every yeah. day. Um, and there's some, there's a lot of sonic choices on there where I listened back and I'm like, who made that? Like, that, <laughs> how did I, I don't, I have no idea how I did half that stuff. I, I, 
much less like how I got it out every day. Yeah. Um, so, um, so no, the music, I mean, you know, the music, I, I did know what the image was going to be for that day when I was working on the music, but it, I kind of let the two things, music was a response, but it wasn't exactly, I wasn't trying to illustrate the piece, if that's what you're trying to get at, or I wasn't trying to. Yeah, like they weren't, you weren't forcing anything, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, other than forcing it to be, to be done that day. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. In your response, I thought about one of my questions, and I talked about like chance or serendipity. And I would you say that there was more in this project than previous in your say painting series, or like pairing the two together? More chance and more serendipity, or more of both? I mean, more of both, or more of one or the other? Uh, well, I was curious about both, but if one, of course, it attaches itself, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in, in my painting, things look pretty organized. Um, you know, the, the compositions are pretty, <laughs> pretty uh, elemental. Um, yeah. I had a kid come to a open studio once and he walked around the room, well, walked around my studio and he was like, these are basic. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're, you're right, actually. Um, <laughs> Thank <are> you. <laughs> I know. I was like, that's a pretty good word because most people, I don't know. <laughs> don't even recognize that for some reason but um so despite the fact that they're like that visually um the way i work with the paint is so liquid i mean the paint is like watercolor thin it's like it's like it's 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 flowing you know yeah. or cascading it's you know i have to do i have to do a lot of work to make it look like like you know it just kind of happened that way um so there there's always and there's a lot of moments of serendipity in the painting um, as well. If you, if you, you know, if you see them up close, you see this a little more, you know, things that are, are not quite in my control than, than it might look if you're looking at them online. Uh, in the music, um, I think the serendipity was just like, I, I, I was finding some sonic textures that I may have tweaked out more in the past, may have filtered out more and, and just didn't have the time to really, um, fine tooth comb that and it ended up being pretty interesting uh, yeah. for me and I hope it's interesting for others. So th those were two, those are two elements that did exist in, in new relationships to each other. Yeah. That's cool. Maybe mark making isn't necessarily the, the correct way to go with that, but some of the paintings have like a, like a broken line going up, say from bottom mm -hmm. to top or top to bottom. Mm -hmm. And so th I think that's where I was going. Like, how much of that is like, did you allow the the painting to take over, and that was a a, a product of the the process, so to speak? Right. Well, for a lot of years, like if I speak to a student group or something like that, I always say that I don't believe in happy accidents. Yeah. Um, you know that I that it, that any kind of any I don't believe in accidents, but I do believe in incidents, and um. For me, I don't know. Maybe that's just splitting hairs in terms for some people. But for me, the difference is, you know, if, if something incidental happens or accidental happens and you and you decide to leave that in your work, then that becomes a choice. And so it's no longer an accident. It's, it's you know, it's a it's a it's a thing that you it's it's intentional. 
Um, so that that question, you know, when I was years and years ago, always <laughs> was very interesting to me. So I would often, <laughs> and I still do this. I, I, I make up a, uh, I make up a situation in which something accidental or unpredictable will occur. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, like I. I'll do something where uh, I have the, let's say it's on paper, for instance, I'll have the piece of paper sitting on the table and I'll spill, I'll purposely spill paint, you know, a foot away. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so some of that might hit the, might hit the painting, yeah. but it's not spilling paint on the painting. Um, or I'll take, you know, I'll, there'll be drips of paint from whatever the work process on the, on my painting table. And I'll just let the surface of the painting fall down flat on it and pull it back up. Yeah. And, you know, it's very conscious. Like I'm going to make this mistake now, or I'm going to make this, I'm going to set up this accident now and then deal with it. That happens yeah. a lot actually in my work. And so some of those discontinuing or non-continuous lines and so on, those are, those are actually made um, where I apply paint to something else and stamp it quickly or okay. um, sometimes, you know, um, they're made with these, these indirect accidents. Yeah. That I know, I know the parameters of the accident somewhat, but I don't know exactly how it's going to look. Yeah. So you're just setting up this sort of incidents. I like that. <laughs> it's an incident. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, that's really, when I talked earlier about the word presence and present, I mean, that's a, that's a really, in a, in a microcosm, that's really where you've got to be, where I have to be present and I have to deal with what happened, you know, like in that exact split second present thing, this thing's going to happen. I'm going to deal with it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so, um, that's, that's, that's a really interesting, like how to calibrate that balance is really interesting to me. I was wondering if you feel there's, uh, a nice situation or setup that you would prefer the music to be listened to, if that makes sense, or to experience the project, whether it be on Instagram, uh, you know, say on the website or headphones or. Yeah. If that 40 for you project were to go out in the world, like on exhibition, you know, um, what I'd love for it would be where a person could, um, could be in front of the work and, and, and be hearing and, and, cue up the music in, in headphone situation or something. So, you know, like I've thought about the logistics of what that is, whether it's each piece has a, you know, let's say it's in a frame or something and, and behind the frame, there's like a little MP3 player and there's headphones that people can put on and listen to the music for that piece. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I envision it. Um, so yeah, I would love, I would love for something like that to, to happen. Um, I've always liked exhibition experiences where you go in and yeah, you can, you can interact that way. I remember a few, like a number of years back, I was at the national gallery in Washington and up in the tower gallery, they had some Rothko's and they had, they had Morton Feldman's uh, music for the Rothko chapel, just like kind of, you know, playing overhead. Yeah. It was really great. You know, um, so. Next up, I share an experience I had in viewing the book cover for 44U, where the paintings are arranged in a grid. 
I just typed out some experience that I had with, uh, it started with the book cover and how they're in a grid. Yes. And it, you know, of course, also on Instagram, because they're also in a grid. And then, of course, on the website, I was able to find a nice little a click-through option. So, yes. um, so the sequence that it's, it may not be a traditional way to look at it, but um, just looking like, say, left to right, and on the way down the cover of the book, just reading them in rows, and said, so basically, to my eye, they spin in some way, almost like a slideshow, but I'm not sure if that makes any sense, but let me, let me start that over. <laughs> That's okay. So, while, you, while you talk about that, I'm going to look at the cover of the book, too. Okay. Yeah. So, to my eye, um, they spin, and I think it's mainly because of the individual compositions, and perhaps only in slow motion, but the weight of each piece shifts as you're looking from one to the next. Like, say, there's a dark on the left, a dark on the right. I mean, it's it's pretty like uh, basic. There's that word again, <laughs> just the way to look yeah. at it. But say during the transition, left to right, up and down, and as you scroll and click through, they say I don't want to say that they could have very well be on a turntable spinning, so to speak. Uh huh. That. And of course, you'd probably have to have multiple turntables, but that's, I guess I'm getting away from the original point was is that I just feel like they do spin um, when looking at them, like jumping from one to the next and read them like a book. Is, does that make sense? Is that translating? Um, somewhat. And I'm, I'm really interested in what you're saying. So I'm, I'm trying to like imagine what, as you know, I'm looking at the image too, as you describe it. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine when you, when when you say spin, are you are you thinking like a clockwise motion? Yeah, sort of totally thing? clockwise. It's exactly it. So That's really it, fascinating. So I can kind of like gesture it with my hand, like because each time you finish looking at one, go to the next. Mm -hmm. There's a movement that happens because of the composition. Does that okay? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it makes sense. It's a, it's the way you're experiencing experiencing it and the way that I experience it are very different, and that's I that's. And this, this like just really, um, I I think this is great. Um, thank you for this response. It 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 opens up an, a level of understanding about the relationships of the pieces to me that I didn't have personally, and um, I I think it's fascinating. Um, it might be uh, kind of cheap because of the way that I received it. You know, like it's in reproduction. I'm not seeing them right. in the studio or on the wall. You know, the gallery and listening to the music at the same time, but. Um, the, the the way that like almost the only way that we can do it right now is by the reproductions you know so that's right. making the best of it i guess you could say yeah no i mean no it's i mean i'm looking at a reproduction of it right now too you know i'm looking at a screen version <laughs> so um and i'm actually looking i'm not looking at the screen version that's on the cover of the book i'm looking at the screen version of the installation in my studio you know so we're, we're looking at you know we're, we're both talking about um the feeling we're getting from it from looking at reproductions which is which is you know like it's fine um for me you know um i had a couple i had a couple compositional strategies going that i was repeating and varying and i had a few intervals if you will and that's a, that's also a musical term um that that were also used repeatedly um mostly like spatial inter intervals so for instance when you go through that the 40 images you often see a bar um that 
you know, a bar of color that's like, a, let's say, one of the thinner bars, um, which appears like, as I'm looking at this, the first time it happens is like in the third day, really. Um, it's, it looks like the pieces are 10 inches square, so this looks like it might be a one-inch bar, let's say. Yeah. That bar was literally the width of a ruler that I typically use a lot in the studio. So I just that me- that bar of measurement was 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 used consistently throughout um, as a as a compositional thing. Right. Well, then another way they're divided is in half quite a bit of the time, and another way that they're divided are in thirds. Um, so there's those things, and then additionally there were some pieces that had curves, some right. curves. Um, and most notably, the very first piece and the very last piece are mirror, are mirror um, images in terms of composition. And I thought of those as like parentheses. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, they're 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 you know so there's there's one that's curved. They're curved like parentheses would be in writing, and that's yeah yeah. That had to do for me with just the idea of this is this was going to be a thing and a time period set aside you know, within the, the larger scope of my work and within the larger scope of my life. And, um, and then the thing I, we haven't really mentioned yet in this interview, like I keyed the chronological, you know, I, I keyed this whole thing chronologically to the season of Lent. Right. So it was rolling out as like a Lent project. Um, I didn't really talk about that a lot. Um, as it was going, I, I, I just left that. I mean, I had, I'd announced that I was doing this in advance and I'd announced the dates in advance and so on, but I just left those dates just to float out there. And for the people who were going to pick up on what those dates meant, that was there for them to pick up on. And then I didn't really, you know, talk about that too much until it was all over. Next up is another selection from 44U titled day 20.
Now, I know we've talked a lot about the painting surrounding 44U and the music, but I had uh, a previous guest, Kat Balco, had submitted two questions for you. Okay. So, and she's an abstract painter. I'm not sure if I mentioned that, but um, she's asking or mentioning that you often work with color washes that look like veils to me. Often they are gray in color, though not always. And as a viewer, they remind me of my distance from the work and of its ultimate unknowability. I make associations with, with other disparate veils in Catholic confessionals, in weddings, etc. I wonder if you think about the washes in this way, in parentheses, as veils, and if you could talk a bit about that association. That is a fascinating question. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that is really something I don't think I've consciously thought about. I mean, I think, I think I've intuited that a little bit, you know, Kat uses the term veil and I would use the term inflection. Um, and maybe my term is, my term goes in a different direction than her term. Um, it's very difficult for me, if not impossible for me in my work. I'm trying to think of any situation that falls outside of what I'm about to say, where a color is put on the surface and that's it. That's what you see. That first pass, you know, um, or even, you know, my color is often built up by a few passes of the same color. So when you see a color, it's likely several washes applied in, in different sessions. And then it's inflected with gray or black or some, well, mostly it's inflected with gray or, or even multiple layers of gray. So there is a veiling, if you will, or an inflecting. Um, does that have to do with me <laughs> not wanting to be totally exposed in the work? is a really interesting question. And I don't know that I'm ready to answer that question right now. It, it kind of, it's kind of hitting me emotionally as I'm, as I'm speaking uh, and trying to answer this. I think that I sort of um, aspire for the work to be very vulnerable and open. You know, it's a very direct work. There's not, everything's additive in my work and there's no, thing that's really truly that hidden because it's everything's very transparent so but maybe these are this is the way that i'm still protecting something about myself yeah. as i apply these veils or these as i or, or the way i inflect this color it's like we'll switch back over to a musical analogy you know when you when you when you're recording or when i'm recording my guitar, or my voice, you know, almost never in my work would I, would you be hearing just a bare dry recording you know, or of, of my signal, of the signal that I produce. It's always being processed, you know, reverb, delay, whatever you want to call that. 
So maybe yeah. that's a similar kind of thing. There's a bit of something that inflects, and that's the way it gets the quality that it, that it has. What that represents is what I can't quite answer right now in that regard, in, in, in the specific regard to Kat's question. So, okay, I got Kat Balco's second question. The work seems to have a relationship to writing slash books slash journal writing. Often the paintings have a thin rectangle on one side that resemble bindings. Sometimes the paintings look a bit like the covers of journals or composition books, hinting that language slash readable meaning might be inside slash behind the painting, but that the painting resolutely hides it. In the school drawings, you are actually working on writing paper. I guess th those are on your website. Yeah. Okay. Covering it, um, covering it not with words, but with mysterious shapes and, again, the veils. Do you think of your work as having a relationship to relationship to text slash writing or if so how would you describe that relationship another great question that i uh don't think has ever been quite put to me like that before um so what you need to know about me is that i joke that i've almost forgotten how to read um <laughs> so you know like like a couple years ago i, I made it my new year's resolution to like read a book because I, it's not something I feel great about with myself, but I'm not an avid reader. Yeah. Um, I did not, the way I grew up, I didn't really learn. Um, I learned that words meant exactly what they meant. And, and I didn't really get a great education about words and writing you know, being metaphor and, 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 and pointing to things beyond themselves. Everything was very like, this is the word and it defines this. Um, and I think that in, in some ways my painting can be kind of like that. I do a very, very direct, very, very, I mean, I've, I've even joked it's called plain, plain painting. I use plain brushes. I don't get, you know, I'm not, I'm not making metaphors. I'm not doing illusory things. It's right there. Yeah. Um, but in response to margins, um, I, I know what she's talking about, and there often is kind of a margin, and it off, the margin often does seem to be on the left side of the image. Um, and, um, you know, like, like you might think of as the notebook paper that, that we, you know, those of us who write English, you know, we're used to, um, and I, and there is this idea of, of it being kind of like a page. Yeah. Like a, like a page or an episode, you know, within, within a volume of work. So I think that's more where it comes from for me. You know, it, it's, this is another, another episode, another pass at this, at this uh, yeah. thing. It's not a very, it's, it's, a, it's a quite a wordless, process and quite a wordless painting is quite wordless for me um the school papers that she refers to um had more to do with the tactility of the paper than anything else and the fact that the, the blue lines were there they became kind of found objects and so it felt like the work was almost started for me or originally um and i i probably picked up I, th I think part of it too was that that paper um kind of had nostalgia for me. Uh, and so it pointed 
to a time in my life, you know, when I was a kid, and that was the kind of paper I used when I was a kid in the 70s in school, grade school, hated that paper at that time in my life because the pencil, my pencil always ripped through it. Yeah. Um, just really hated that paper. Um, and yeah, I know. And my dad, and then my dad like found a bunch of it and gave it to me. Um, I don't know where he found it, but, and I, I don't know. I think I'd seen the, I had seen the Tantra, the Tantra paintings I had just come to the United States for the first time. This is like in the 2003, four, 2005, um, feature incorporated in New York was just starting to show those Tantra paintings and they were on this pulpy paper. And those just, I think I know I saw it first. I saw the Tantra drawings first at the, at the drawing center, like in 2004, or 2005, those just knocked me out. And I loved, I loved the kind of, you know, beat up old papers they were on. Um, yeah. Sometimes bleed through from writing from the other side or things like that. And I think I must've gotten that. My dad gave me that paper around that time. And um, so it just kind of, I started working on it. And then, you know, this paper that I hated when I was a kid, just, just was like a fit for me. As, just what? Like, yeah, it, it, it just fit. Like everything seemed oh, like okay. it was just working on it. You know, it just, yeah. was, wow. You know, the, and the first thing I did was just black. I just painted black squares on it. Just like, wow, this is amazing. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're almost, I mean, close to 15 years later. Um, I'm still working on that paper. Um, some years I do a lot of work on, on those and other years, very little. Next, I asked Douglas if he can use three to five words to describe his paintings. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to be a phrase or a sentence. It could be individual, you know? Yes. Well, um, I think I actually prepared for this question because I, I kind of thought it might be coming. So, um, oh, cool. <laughs> but, but in the transition from where I had been sitting when we first started talking and to where I'm sitting now, my list is gone. So oh, no. uh, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so I think some of the words that I would probably use are um, open, um, direct, uh, elemental, um, balanced, but probably precariously so. Yeah. Um, and present. I have um, one word that came to me, and it's probably obvious once I say it, but in that word is duration. Mm -hmm. And I guess, how could I not think of that based on you know the music and the paintings paired together? Where mm -hmm. you inviting you know say you're in a museum or a gallery and you you're you're not really moved by any particular painting you walk by and there's no duration but with the music you're sort of meeting the viewer a little bit more in their space and say hey look at this a little bit longer you yeah know? yeah i mean that was almost the absurd thing about the project as it was designed for instagram i mean the question really was like could i give somebody a reason to stop their scroll for one minute yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that seemed a little you know that seemed just a little absurd but I, I i could ask the question of myself like when do i stop and look at one thing in the instagram scroll for for the duration of one minute yeah you know, um it's rare 
you know, um, and I, I don't feel great saying that, you know, um, that's, 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 that where, that's where we're at as painters in this world that we, we scroll through and we digest at that speed. Yeah. Something that's, you know, an activity that's so analog and so at a different pace than anything social media is designed to be, you know? Um, and I, it's, it's tough. It's, 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 it's a tough to snap back and forth between those, those modalities, you know? Um, but that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. There's another outdoor experience for me, uh, that, um, I saw on my porch. There's, I have a, a long strand of Tibetan prayer flag Yes. that was given to me by a friend and they've been out there for like three summers now. And so they're, they've had some wear and tear, but they're just get, only getting better, you know, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> but when there's a light breeze, they sort of lift a little bit and kind of wave a little, you know, and I just, I mean, they're square. So that's like probably another thing that's pointing to your work for me. And uh, it's just like a really nice way to receive that. And another, maybe another duration, so to speak, <laughs> you know, there's like another experience because of them. Yes. Uh, so I felt like it was somewhat related to looking at your work and listening to the music. Well, right. And, you know, I think something I've tried to write about this a little bit, this idea of, of duration. And I say, you know, I, I try to be, I think I've written, I don't remember where it was. I don't know if this, if I've only written it for myself or if it was in something I wrote for something that's out there somewhere. But I think I've said something to the, to the extent or to the effect of, I'm trying to make a present, like a, a moment, a present moment of seeing that's charged with some change in change in the next present moment of seeing. So this idea of the precarious balance in the work, you know, you see it and then, and you can, and it, and it's a, it's a kind of image that's, that's like still enough to make you want to, to slow down or be more still than you are. And, yeah. and, exist in that thing but the present moments are fleeting you know the you know the present moments are fleeting by right so how do we how, how does the painting give a person that how do i put visual elements together to give a person the invitation to slow themselves to to just check this thing out and yeah. and get into that point of of like seeing feeling how what they're seeing makes them feel <laughs> and then kind of going from there you know it seems like you know um instagram is such a thing that may be scheduled you know i'm gonna you know scroll while having coffee in the morning or i'm gonna do it at night before bed or you know or in every hour in between <laughs> who yeah. knows but um it's nice to have that experience and i think it's a good place to do it um yeah. Like it, I don't know, I, I, the way that I use Instagram, I just post a painting and there it is, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's a nice little extension and you know, pointing to what you're doing and what you have done with the 40 for you. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I would like to think of that. My work is, you know, is there for, for people's use and contemplation, um, yeah. like, like the prayer flags, you know, as, that you, that you point to, or like the Tantra work that that's what 
was so fascinating to me about those Tantra paintings is you have these, these incredibly elemental abstract images that have a very clear use, you know, in a community. Um, and I had never really seen anything quite like that before. I mean, I, I don't know anything about Tantra. You know, I don't know anything about that religion, but I, I, I still, I, I got the fact that they were powerful um, contemplative tools, you know, um, and, it, and they were visual, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's super fascinating to me. Do you have an artist quote that you would like to share? Or there's a, another part to that. Speaking of tea and coffee that I brought up earlier, but like, is there a possible coffee or tea time realization that, you, that came to you and that might translate like directly or indirectly to painting? Um, or, uh-huh. or, and I would love this if you would read your, a painting is not a statement, but if you don't have that, that's fine. I, no, I do have it. Um, okay. Yeah, I'd be happy to read that. Um, so well, where, where should we start with that? Uh, well, if you have a quote, uh, by someone else or just the, the, the painting is not a statement yeah. would be cool too. Well, I, I do have a quote. Um, okay. and we can, and we can, I can read the statement as well. Um, so one of the quotes that's been in my head a lot this past year, well, I should say 2020, um, you know, it, it's, I'm probably going to not quite get it, but, uh, you know, Agnes Martin is known to have said, I paint with my back to the world. Yeah. You know, and, um, I've thought about that a lot, uh, this year, you know, my response to that quote is if only I could do that. Um, partly because, I mean, I find that, I find that quote a little problematic. Uh, I, I just, I would love to, to have that kind of <laughs> ability to, to detach in a way yeah. uh, or, or to take that stance. But, and maybe that's something that she could do at, at, at her time and her place and given who she was. Um, but that's not something that I personally can do and not, you know, and I don't find a way for that. Even as a painter who's making these kind of abstract paintings that are very, you know, elemental or very, I don't like to use the word pure, but some people try to say my work is distilled or kind of pure or minimal, or some people see my work as having a level of detachment. Um, like I just reject that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that's partly what has spurred me to do things around the work or set contexts around the work, such as the 44U project where Yes, I'm making these kinds of images, but I'm making a context for these kinds of images to operate, you know, in such a way that they are, um, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to set, a, set up a situation for someone to get, to, to be invited into them even more than they might be, you know, um, in say, a traditional art setting that has yeah. its own, you know, um, conditions. <laughs> and its own barriers to entry for some people. You know, I'm trying to find ways to work. How can I make this art, uh, this kind of art be accessible for people um, in their own ways? So that's, so yeah, uh, Agnes Martin, I paint with my back to the world, but 
Douglas Whitmer, like, if only I could do that, that would be, you know, kind of where I've been at in 2020. So if you'd like to read. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, this is called A Painting is Not a Statement, and I've used this as a kind of anti-statement. Um, but it appears on my website, um, kind of in a place on my website where you might find an artist statement. Um, and it's something that when I wrote it, when I was working on it, I wanted to write something that might be sort of a statement for all time of my work, no matter what the work looked like. How could this, how could I write something that might, you know, describe my attitude towards painting? Yeah. Um, so, um, and I've always been attracted to these very, um, you know, just like my, my paintings, these very elemental kinds of sets of words. So, okay, so here we go. It's just, um, it's called a painting is not a statement. A painting is not a statement. It is the evidence of painting. Painting is a relationship. The relationship is ongoing. To paint is an act of devotion in the relationship. I want to believe that in the relationship of painting, the act of painting is its own reward. I want to believe that the relationship of painting, when one devotes oneself to it, extends beyond the boundaries of a painting, however indefinite or unmeasurable this extension may seem to be. I want to believe that the relationship of painting values inquiry over conclusion. To attempt to be conclusive in painting is to attempt to make paintings that are, in effect, statements. Attempting to make a statement with a painting undermines the idea that painting is a relationship. These words are a statement and they are not painting. <laughs> I find a, a bit of humor coming out there. Probably a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe humor pointed at, <laughs> at artist statements generally. <laughs> <laughs> Which artist from history would you have liked to have spoken with or entertained? And what is one of the questions you would ask them? Oh, man. <laughs> this is this. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to focus on like to. <laughs> okay. Someone who I think I might enjoy being with. Yeah. You know. Um. So. Um. Hmm. I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and my mind is narrowed down to like three or four right now. So okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a little tournament inside my head right now. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna make it to the to the final? Who's gonna win? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna say uh, Matisse. Okay. I think I'd like. I would have loved to have met Matisse. Yeah. Um, and I, I would like, to, I would have liked to ask Matisse how all the non-essentials of, of 
painting in terms of detail and so on fell away in his work and, and how he got to the essentials, you know, in terms of color and line. And I also would have liked to ask him how he or where he found the internal will to keep going with his work through his health problems and through the war and all the things that came his way at that point in his life. Because um, I think that's something, you know, at this, so far in my life, I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, when I see those pictures of him working from his bed and also knowing he was, you know, he was, he had cancer and he was moving because of the war and all that, you know, and still somehow I just find that, I, I just find that breathtaking. Yeah. I thought you were going to say one roar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, I'm not disappointed I, by any means. <laughs> oh, well, it's because I, it's because I have met Warren Rohr and, and okay. was, was able to, yeah, probably was able to ask him some, some of those questions. And yeah. I've thought of, you know, still relate to his, his family. I think, you know, Warren is like, Warren Rohr is definitely kind of the hero of my lifetime. Someone who, an artist who was living in a model for me and you know a mentor to me you know um so um but yeah no that's but i think you know matisse was an early very early like somewhere around that time when i was 14 15 and i did that description of of me going to the art museum and seeing that franz klein somewhere around that time as well you know my family went to Washington and we went to the national gallery and the cutouts were on display yeah. and I bought a Matisse cutouts poster that was almost facsimile size, I think to one of the cutouts, one of the oh, wow. blue moods or whatever. Yeah. And had that in my, I had that in my bedroom all through high school and into college and yeah, possibly even after college, it's just, it's just a huge, it's a big image, you know, just an image that just looms large for me, that yeah. blue over that cream. Yeah. That's cool. I um for me, Warren Rower was like an artist that I found on my own. Like I felt like he was mine. Only like, and I say that you know, in a silly way. Only yeah. and the reason why I put it that way is because I didn't learn about him through art school. It was something that I stumbled upon while I lived in Philly. So, okay, yeah. So I don't know. I <laughs> um I'm kind of I got like a big crush on him, but yeah. Well, you know, and that's that's the thing about Warren Warren Rohr. He he still is a bit of a you know, he hasn't quite gotten that that national slash worldwide exposure. It, just, yeah. it didn't it didn't really happen during his lifetime, and I think the scholarship on him is is still, you know, um, not not that wide. Um, yeah. But but right, if you're if you're from around Pennsylvania, or if you went to art school in Philly, or especially you know University Arts, or when he was teaching, it was still called. Uh, I think Philadelphia College of Art. I think, um, you know, he was he he really influenced a lot of a lot of painters. Yeah. Um, and so you find yeah, there's there's definitely like these there's definitely Warren Roar groupies. Um, yeah. And it is it is kind of a, you know, once you yeah I'm 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 glad to know that you knew of him before like you know now we're like we're in the Warren Roar club this is sort of <laughs> society. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he he was 
kind of forgotten for me for a while because I, you know, everything I've been looking at or doing, um, I don't feel like it has anything to, you know, any. It's not pointing to him in a way. Maybe it does somehow, but some of the colors perhaps. But I, uh, so I saw your post on uh, Instagram. I think it was. Or it might have been Facebook that you had written that essay. I thought, mm-hmm. how random, <laughs> you know? So I immediately ordered the book. I said, I haven't bought an art book in so long, you know? And yeah. uh, it's cool because on the, the museum website, this is like, I was going to send you a link, but I figured I would tell you that they have all these like different pages set up for the show. And yes. one of them has uh, Jane Rose poetry read by, I think her and her daughter. And, oh, I, have you seen this? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I thought, yeah, wow, I, I appear. I appear as a talking head in one of the one of those videos just for a few few seconds. Oh, cool. but yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. The, that's great. Where um, it's Jane's, <clears throat> it's Jane Rohr's um, granddaughter, who was oh, okay. who was who was also a poet reading. Oh, nice. One her, yeah, one of her grandmother's poems. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. Yes, and and of course, so this this also for you, you know, this would make such a you know, great fit for as someone who's, you know, writes poetry and as a painter, these two things yeah. coming together, you know, um, is I'm sure resonates, you know, really, really with you. And, um, it's nice to see Jane getting, getting the recognition too, because yeah. Jane, um, you know, she just, she didn't, I mean, she was published, but she didn't get much recognition. Um, and Warren was known as the artist and, and he had the, you know, he had the reputation. Um, so she's, she's starting to get yeah, real scholarship around her work, which is, which is really great. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely cool. Um, yeah. And like I said earlier, I don't know that there's really, I'm, I've written poetry about painting, but uh, most of them are about lost love. And I, and sometimes I get sick of that. I'm like, okay, enough, no more Phil. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And so when it can be about painting and related to, you know, what the things they experienced together, just living together and being on the land that they were at and um, that, I, you know, I'm, I long for that, you know, to, to write yeah. about something other than imagination or, um, you know, uh, perception of, of like distorted about a relationship or a girl. It seems so simple, you know, I mean, it's important, right. but uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, there's right. It's really, really rooted work um, yeah. in something very, very specific, um, and you really get you mean you really get a sense of that from this exhibition that, um, yeah. at Penn State and and the book um, that's that's just coming out. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the best, one of my favorite essays in that book was by um, <clears throat> the woman who um, is a um, like. A, geological historian or something I, I forget what she act what, i mean what her field of science it's like it's like geologic history yeah um, and she writes about like she writes about lancaster county and the like the geology of it and the topography of it and the agricultural history of it and so all to say this is why this place looks the way it does or looked the way it does so when warren was looking at it yeah you know this is why he could see what he saw and so now you're seeing what like now you now you realize like all these like reasons why it looked how it looked when he was looking at it that then feed the way his paintings looked 
it was fantastic. Just for some context about that last part of the conversation, the book Field Language, The Painting and Poetry of Warren and Jane Rohr, is an exhibition at Palmer Museum of Art, Pennsylvania State University. Big thanks to Douglas Whitmer for being my guest on the program. Be sure to check out the album, 40 For You, over at Bandcamp. For the link, please visit douglaswhitmer.com or artcast.com and be sure to view the paintings while you're there. And to close, as part of 40 For You, the final composition is music titled Day 40. Um, I want to jump in for a second and just say that, like, I feel like uh, because of the, they seem like architecture as much as they might seem like nature, so to speak. And I'm mm -hmm. not really talking about color, just like composition and the yeah. frame, like, uh, see the square or the rectangle, obviously. Yeah. And I just, for some reason, I have this image of anyone in a tub, like outside, and that's like th there's there's there aren't four walls around you, but you have that image to deal with. And to spend time with while you're in the tub like i don't know why i think that but i just like it's a it's a moment where you're the only one around but it's not like so much solitude and it's not um loneliness or anything it's like a moment that is um helped by the painting you know 
and it's not even removed. Like it's it's there's hardly any names either. Like it's not person painting tub, so to speak. I'm just trying to put like a different visual on it, if that makes sense. Sure. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, I've been I've been I've been I mentioned this in emails to you just you know today before this interview. You know, I've been talk I've been kind of formulating recently trying to formulate some clear language for some uses around my work and one word I keep coming back to is place and you know I I feel like kind of what I do or what I'm trying for the paintings to be is a place you know like each painting is a, is a kind of place for someone just to 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 be with um I mean the the painting obviously it's it's a thing. It's an object that hangs on a wall and that hangs in a, maybe another kind of place, but, but within the four edges of the painting is a place, a visual place for contemplation, a visual place for some kind of a, you know, um, to spark a feeling, um, and to have a kind of presence. Yeah. And that's what I want. To, that's what I want for them to be. This has been Oddcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening, and keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? I'm getting nowhere with this, forget it. Hotcast Home is A-H-T-C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. Otcast Audio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, and now on Google Podcasts. Otcast Social on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Let's not forget about Instagram. Thanks for tuning in.